Hi, and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Graham. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. So I know both of y'all have moved around a lot, but did you have childhood homes that you especially loved? Ooh, or were I don't know about, to tell us about. <laughs> I don't know about loved because I don't know. I have I don't have a big family, but I have a few siblings, and usually anywhere we lived was super small. But um, one that does really stand out is well, I was born in Ohio, but we moved to Louisiana when I was still an infant, and we lived there until I was in elementary school, mm-hmm. where we moved to Alabama. But um, I remember specifically living in Louisiana, we lived in a really tiny trailer um, in the middle of a swamp. And um, As you do. Yes. <laughs> I just remember we had a couple of neighbors. It was mostly just me and my best friend. His name was Three Teeth Keith <laughs> because he only had three teeth. Um, but I have a distinct memory of how I made these friends is his older sister, Sissy, mm-hmm. had a pet chihuahua. And oh my, my dad wasn't around much because he was in the military and we came outside and there was an alligator trying to eat Sissy's Chihuahua. Oh, fuck. So my mom came out with a broom and literally beat an alligator with a broom <laughs> oh to like get gosh. it away from this Chihuahua. Incredible. And that's really all I, most of my memory of living in Louisiana. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. My mom was like a weird alligator hunter. She like. <laughs> She was the manager at a Holiday Inn, and she actually had to drag an alligator out of someone's room by oh their its gosh. tail. Yeah. Boss-ass bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you, Allie? Um, so growing up, I lived in, like, quite a few different places. Yeah. Um, child of divorce. Shout out to all of us. Woo! Um, but my favorite was my mom's house, which was the teeniest house. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little ranch, but it was set on a few acres, and we had a river out back, and it connected to the three quarries and the train mm-hmm. tracks. So it was always really fun. Um, but... Also, I grew up, I have two biological sisters, and my mom lived in this house with me. It's a three-bedroom, one ha- one bath with a living room, a dining room, and a teeny kitchen, and that's it. That sounds a lot like my childhood home. Yeah, so it was really tight quarters, um, which caused a lot of arguments, but honestly, <laughs> now I love it because as adults, we always joke that we only need one room mm-hmm. because when we all get together not during COVID, but when we all get (laughs) together, we'll still like all of us be in one bathroom getting ready. Right. So even though now we have grown where we have a lot more space, I think it just like made us really comfortable with each other. Yeah, you're just used to it. Yeah, and there's like such a sense of camaraderie from that. Yeah, absolutely. So I love those memories. Yeah. Um, The house that I associate most with my childhood is the one that I lived in in New Orleans. We were specifically in the Lakeview neighborhood, which is like in between um, the city proper and Lake Pontchartrain. And the house was actually, um, my dad inherited it from his grandmother, which was really fucking lucky. And like, 
it was just like the cutest fucking house we had like the spanish ironwork on the front like our the gate to the vestibule and it was like this little peach colored thing with like dark green trim it was it was just super cute and i think i mentioned before but it was made of cypress wood so even though we had like a horrible termite issues outside the house like we never had to worry about uh, the house getting chewed on and it was on um like it was raised three feet and the property was on a sandbar so like we never really had to worry about flooding and uh the only time that i know of it like getting water damage was katrina Mm -hmm. and we had moved out the year before thankfully water went all the way up to the roof line yeah i love new orleans i've visited a few times actually speaking of houses Mm -hmm. this isn't this is a there used to be a show i used to always watch with my mom it was called a haunting and it was just one of those dumb like mockumentaries where actors uh-huh. reenact but it's so scary it it is yeah if you're if you're um kind of sensitive to that stuff like if that makes you nervous ghost stories and stuff it is pretty spooky but there was just one story about a woman who had a house that was possessed by a demon in new orleans mm-hmm. and she went into her house when she bought it there was a big mural dedicated to satanic sacrifices fuck yeah and like the ghost hunters were like did this not like set you off or like (laughs) was it a warning to and she was like this is new orleans right like this is not a weird thing here no 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 (laughs) it's not so i don't know why that's always just stuck with me when we talk about household magic i'll just add quickly um i think the sense of home is so important and this is related to like kind of psychic stuff my mom always told my dad, she's like, my forever home and my permanent life, I just see a long driveway and a weeping willow. And mm-hmm. we have never had this house. And she told him this decades ago. Well, on the day of her re- marriage, my dad texts her, I hope you found your weeping willow. She didn't even remember this. Guess who has a weeping willow and a long driveway? Wow. Tony, her new husband. Oh. So it was really like amazing to see how decades before she had told other people this that's so cool and then through a weird path found that home house is beautiful too Mm -hmm. spooky as shit (laughs) love it today's episode is season one episode nine home the one where the boys hang out with a magical black woman stereotype registered trademark this episode was written by eric kripke and and directed by ken garati and originally aired on november 15th 2005 i know we've talked about the damn gray filter way too much (laughs) yeah but it was like it made this episode hard to see things yes yeah i i just like i think it's so funny especially when they're in the motels it just looks like they never turn the fucking light on yeah yeah no it's really bad and i don't know it's just they don't need that intensive a gray filter during the daytime too because like that's not what the world looks like right (laughs) even when it's like dreary outside it does not look like that and it's not like post-apocalyptic either like what's the point of having everything so gray when they're like in an open door garage talking to some jabroni like it's not an intense scene they're just having a convo i feel like the editor took one film class in college dropped out and now mansplains to you what (laughs) what a cut is in a film (laughs) oh god yeah all right well it's going into the intro of this episode i actually really liked the intro to this episode yeah the little prologue thing. yeah and it was good at like building anxiety and fear without like torture 
or like yeah you're right yeah they weren't like let's light this fucking single mom on fire yeah <laughs> it was a long intro too mm-hmm. which i like uh, was it longer than it other little. Ones? a little it felt like it yeah i and didn't keep track i like how they set up like the mother they never explicitly say what happened to the husband if he was like abusive or divorce or dead yeah um but i really liked how it immediately makes you kind of like have a draw to them because it's a fresh start with this little family yeah yes um so you're already rooting for them right off the bat and yeah. it's like the inverse of what happened with sam Ooh. and dean too yeah. where they escape the house with one parent yeah and they're seeking refuge in the house with one parent Mm-hmm. I like that. And then I also liked how the, the first scene ended, too. Instead of, like, again, someone being tortured or murdered, this was the most shocking into the intro of finding the pictures of the family. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was really clever. I like that. Yeah. I'm just going to note real quick, though, because this is such a small detail in the sequence. When she's looking at her closet on her bed frame like woven in the bed frame yes it's a little clown doll yes and i'm like if you are sleeping with that woven right over your face you deserve to get haunted yes yeah. oh my god her toys it wasn't just the me. it's just not me. just the clown she also has a giant bedraggled rat plush yes. she does also have the panda which is a little bit more normal but she's like like to the left and right of her head in the bed frame are these creepy ass fucking toys. Just looking. And then coupled later with the the um the monkey with the symbols yeah. or whatever. Like what the fuck is what this mom it honestly kind of seem like is the the producers or whoever is in charge of like props went to the WB Studios like generic prop room and found a bunch <laughs> of fifties children toys that have been <laughs> yes. sitting there for fifty I don't years. Know. It also kind of screams to me like um, this mom knows the girl's been through some stuff. Let's go to Goodwill and get her a fuck ton of toys to fill that void. Yeah, maybe the one thing that like that bothers me, though, Mm -hmm. about the intro is the chair that doesn't reach the handle. I know. Like, lady, do you not know how to brace a door shut Mm -hmm. with a chair? Like, she just puts it in front of it. To be fair, I don't think she's trying to actually brace the door. She's just trying to, like, alleviate her child's... I don't know. Like, that kid wasn't that young. Like, when I was that age, I think I would have been, like, bitch you doing so that i thought that that girl was like really young and then later when sam picks her up i'm like oh she's like a 12 year old <laughs> yeah i mean she's like at least seven yeah, yeah that's what i i was gonna say she's probably between like eight mm-hmm. maybe ten at the oldest yeah. but yeah yeah she's like she's not little yeah she's smart enough the to... thing. like she would know Oof. oh yeah oh so you mentioned the pictures mm-hmm. when she goes down into the basement why is it why are there never like light switches for the basement at the top of the fucking stairs or like outside the door <laughs> like, yeah. why is it always like that i don't even mean like in tv and movies though but like in real life why <laughs> i do like how many haunted house tropes they hit though immediately oh yeah because i know those are so generic and overused but in my haunted house it was the basement and yeah. Yeah. What's the fucking closet? Yeah. That were the two Same. worst? Yeah. So I'm really happy because that automatically, I'm well, afraid. I think there's like a reason why they're, mm-hmm. you know, overused, like cliches. It's because uh, those are really common in real life, too. Well, and Dean um, literally makes a poltergeist reference. So you can tell <laughs> that they were trying to like 
really oh, give ode did? to when, that. When did that happen? Um, so he mentions, I forget. Um, I thought he mentioned Poltergeist by name. So he mentions an actress. Oh, was it the Zelda Rubenstein? Yes, Zelda moment? Rubenstein. That's oh, okay. in. Okay, yeah, I wrote that down, meaning to look that up. Zelda Rubenstein played like a medium psychic, and they even say, "Oh, is they refer to Missouri as Zelda Rubenstein?" Yeah. Though it's weird they refer to the actress and not the character. He doesn't mention by name the um, Poltergeist, but he mentioned Shining. Yes, he did mention the Shining. Yeah, I love his very eclectic. Um, taste yes in stuff like he'll be like oh yeah i watch oprah or whatever <laughs> like which you know is like typically girly or whatever mm-hmm. but it's also something that's just on daytime television and they spend a lot of time at motels mm-hmm. but like the shining you kind of have to seek out to watch mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i'm um, bringing up to like the watching of oprah it's kind of funny because in this first sequence we immediately again have dean who tends to have the more feminine interest slinging feminine insults at Sam mm-hmm. with the like, what's blowing up your skirt, honey type. Oh, yeah. I think he was just doing that because Sam wasn't paying attention. Yeah. But but still, yeah, his insults are always masculinity mm-hmm. attacks, it feels like. I wonder if that could say something about what's happening internally with <laughs> his own perception of masculinity in himself. <laughs> I would maybe say so. I don't think that. I, you know, that's crazy. I don't think so. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up the fact that once again, they started with them sleeping. With them sleeping. Yep, I, I was going I, I to. I thought about it instantly. It. I was like, oh man, Jordan's right. They've done it again. <laughs> yeah, they're always sleeping or on the phone. Only one episode. We've not gotten that smash Take a guide. shot every time you see someone sleeping. <laughs> I don't know about every time we see something sleeping. Like, like that would be, we'd just be doing shots the whole episode. I think that's the goal. (laughs) No, the goal is not to do, you don't want to throw (laughs) up, Allie. The goal is so that you can drink for a sustained period and be goofy. If you throw up after 20 minutes, you have to stop playing. No, you just keep going. (sighs) Wow, okay. (laughs) So, um. I think in this beginning sequence, this is a pretty big moment for Dean and Sam as well, because this is when Sam finally reveals oh, yeah. to Dean about the how he had seen Jess mm-hmm. before she had died. Yeah, and he's reluctant to bring it up until, like, he absolutely has to. Like, he, he tries to just be like, take my word for it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, which is so funny, because Dean, like, he doesn't necessarily take him seriously, but he doesn't, like, throw it in his face yeah. like you're, you know. There's no mocking with it besides the shining comment yeah true (laughs) well i didn't think he was making fun of him it's just like i don't know he communicates in Mm -hmm. references i did like how they use the shaky cam there to show that there are strong emotions here Ah! this is a strong emotions episode i really liked that about it i I like how um the quote go back home back to kansas it was so dramatic yeah well that whole moment is so dramatic they even have like a slightly teary-eyed stuttery dean Mm -hmm. in that moment yeah because that's when he talks about um yeah his home trauma like he's like i won't i promised i would never go back there yeah what's that about your emotional vulnerability and not having it in front of other people dean 
I did like how Sam starts sketching. I put Sam is artsy with those little like sparkling stars on either side because um, it's our first time seeing him have an outlet and he's labeled like the nerd or the artsy one. Sure. But we've never seen it before. Mm-hmm. So I like them adding that in finally. So once they get to Kansas, um, Dean calls his dad. This is the first time we get a crying boy. The boys, I think this is the first time either of the boys cry this season. Are you sure? Maybe episode one. I don't know why, but I feel like the boys are just always crying, even if they get glassy eyed a lot. Yeah. And to be fair, he didn't have a tear, it didn't fall. True. <laughs> he was just shaky voice. Yeah, Sam, he was shaky voice and glassy eyes. Sam did have tears mm-hmm. at the he end, did. though. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I've been, I'm pretty sure, because I've been keeping track, I've been like waiting for it. I'm like, I need my big emotional man cry moment. And I think this was the <laughs> first episode we really got a glimpse of that. Yeah. I also love how when they get there, Sam tells her the truth right off the bat. Like, we haven't seen Sam be really truthful in himself or with other individuals so much. So I love that he goes, and he, um, since it's so close to his home and it's such an emotional episode, he immediately tells the woman living there, like, oh, we used to live there. Not to talk about bugs, but... <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) there was a whole narrative about truth and lies woven into the episode and it was the episode just before this and Sam was honest with a lot of people that episode yeah like well you're wrong Allie and it wasn't even just that he was honest it was specifically said I like him he tells the truth yeah I think it's just honest about the case it seemed like a lot more upfront oh you know why I'm thinking about it because they're always lying to women that's why oh he's yeah that's true honest with a woman with neither of them are good at right so that part yeah sorry i think they've also kind of more established that sam is just kind of more of the people person where dane i think maybe wants to be but he's just really awkward and comes off as very awkward when he's being honest or sincere true i think so like if he can rely on a con or like some other Mm -hmm. persona then he's fine but sam wasn't even honest with jess because she never knew about his family history that's true so i think that's why this was important to me at least um was because of his past with women yeah it felt like turning a new page yeah yeah that's true i i think complementary to what you're talking about is the fact that they interact with missouri mosley so much during Mm. this episode and they cannot hide from her yes um and like you know i think that's somewhat of a comfort for sam and a discomfort for dean but that's also skipping ahead past lots of other things to talk about first so after they kind of meet the um, mother that's when we get kind of the cut to the plumber which looks like a porno at first it really does seem like a porno especially because she's like at home by herself yes at home by herself sets this man up and just the like filming angle yeah yeah but i love that scene the my notes go those fucking monkeys it's stopping makes it somehow feel worse rip his hand before it happens so much blood and then monkey likes the blood (laughs) (laughs) i do like the applause i I do love that though because the um the fake fake out yes (laughs) they make you they make you think they're not gonna actually do it yeah but but then he goes right back in I love it. I love how it's not just blood spraying. It is 
a bucket filling. And like with blood. They were like, like being pumped. Yes. Yeah, yes. gross. Like that guy would be dead from that blood loss. Mm-hmm. Also, I hate to keep bringing this up. I know I'm nitpicking, but this show is obviously not meant to be watched one after the other. It was originally serialized, and we're looking at it with a hypercritical eye. Mm-hmm. But this is already a repeated like thing like someone's already lost a hand in a drain in this series what in the fish episode no. with he the drowned. he drowns it it held onto his arm yeah and he yeah drowned. but we still have the anxiety of him putting his arm True. in the water yeah like it's still that same build up so i don't know and it shows the switch in that one i thought so i feel like when they do it again it gets you even worse <laughs> because you're like oh they won it they've tried this yeah. before and right. then it's like nope his arm is gone this time we're getting ya um one thing i didn't say earlier that i wanted to is you know i don't have children I don't ever plan on having children, but I can tell you if I did and I was a single parent and two adult men who are like six inches taller than me showed up at my doorstep and were like, hey, we used to live here. Can I come in? I would be like, no. I would also <laughs> lock be the door. really uncomfortable. So me being paranoid mm-hmm. the finding the pictures would be even more alarming to me mm. and then them showing up but like maybe yeah, yeah but maybe to her mm-hmm. she's like oh these are old pictures of them as a child maybe that's what makes me think that um it wasn't like a skeevy divorce type mm. situation with her uh yeah, because she's very trusting of men. Yeah, cause, so yeah. if it was, like, something, if like she had... Abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if her previous husband had been, like, a piece of shit, she probably would have been, like, no, fuck you, get away from my children. Well, she also, <laughs> as a character, was not really infused with personality. She mm-hmm. was kind of just mm-hmm. a vehicle to push the story along. Yeah. But I also felt like she was at a point in her life where you don't have as much of a character because you're... A single mom with two young kids well, moving. Plus, we didn't really need... A- okay, Allie. <laughs> well, I just mean you're so immersed in that. Like, how much energy do you have to be yourself? Okay, but you still have your own, like, perceptions of the world and opinions about things. and those deprivation makes you act insane which is not how she acted and definitely different from being bland and having no personality yeah i will say because this episode was so focused on sam dean their relationship to each other and their relationship to john and home probably didn't honestly need her to have a personality to be honest because we, oh yeah. no i'm not arguing for her to have yeah. a personality i'm just saying Allie's wrong <laughs> That single moms don't have a personality because they're too busy. <laughs> Ali's like, yeah, they're like sleep deprived and don't have time for anything. They're basically all the same person. Okay, at this week, like literal W-E-E-K of her life. I'm just saying she's a little busy. Um, but it's really funny because when I was very young, like my little sister was probably like three and I was probably like seven. My mom took us by her old house we just drove by it and then she's like let's see if they'll let us inside and then it was just a strange male at the door and she asked if we could see it and he let us and then we left and she was like never tell your dad we did that and none of us have ever mentioned it to each other since so mom if you're listening what was that about (laughs) shelly we have questions (laughs) 
Uh, I feel like that's something that would happen to me in my house to be in like total disarray. I hadn't like cleaned it in four days. Yeah. I have like some rando like asking to come see it. With her, she hadn't even unpacked yet. She had like yes. boxes everywhere in the scene previous. Uh, speaking of the house too, I know wallpaper wasn't popping up this time and it's coming back, but watching them knock holes in the wallpaper like really hurt my soul. Watching them knock holes into the walls really hurt me also. Really? Um, yes, because they don't need to do that. I know it's the conceit of the show that Missouri knows everything, but as someone who does witch stuff, you don't need to put shit in the drywall. Yeah. <laughs> like, as long as it's in the general area, like, come on. I vote if you punch through the wall, make a hole, it feels more effective. So punch through that drywall, just learn how to patch a hole. Well, so what's so funny about that is Missouri told them to punch through the drywall, and then she goes in the basement and just throws that shit in the corner. <laughs> and then she's like, Dean will clean all this up. Yeah. Dean. <laughs> Poor Dean. She picks on him so bad. We haven't talked about her yet. Do you yeah, all want to I, talk yeah, about I want to talk about Missouri. What did you guys think of her? Ugh. Well, so I, of course, was immediately like, oh, here we go, a black woman who has pretty much dedicated a big part of her life to this family and is now helping these people without getting anything in return for herself. It's definitely a trope that... Yeah, and I... It's similar to um, Joe Whitetree in episode eight. She immediately is like, I know the truth of things, which I think is way more acceptable here because she's not... It's not just like... I'm wise and intuitive mm-hmm. because I'm an old person of color. She she is a psychic. And she has a connection specifically and to this. I family. will say, yes. as much as I hate the trope, mm-hmm. I will say that actress is very charismatic. Yeah, she's great. Um, she also plays Adele Weber in Grey's Anatomy. Oh. Yeah. Quote from Allie <laughs> about Missouri and her initial tropiness. That's not what they meant when they said black girl magic. <laughs> I'm so glad you referenced me. Of course I would reference oh, you, Allie. <laughs> I, I love your big, beautiful brain. <laughs> thank you. Your big, yeah. hilarious brain. When we talk about black girl magic, it doesn't have to be literal magic. <laughs> we can have black girls do wonderful things in TV mm-hmm. and them not be a witch. Or exist, yes. yeah, to push white yes. stories along. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Although... I do think Missouri is pretty magical. I do love she is. Missouri. I love, I love her little accent. It's so cute. Her little, like, kind of high-pitched Yeah, actually, I, I think that must just be the actress's natural voice. I've never, mm-hmm. like, heard interviews with her or anything, but that's how Adele Weber's voice sounds. Oh, really? In oh. Grey's Anatomy, yeah. Oh, I never read the actress's name. Um, okay. Her name is Loretta Devine. That is such a fucking good name. It's, it's a, a great, great name. name. Damn it. I'm like, in love with this woman. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the trope, but I really did enjoy her in this because I'm like, yes, what they need is a woman to tell them what's really going on. Like, of course, yeah. these two men are blind to reality. Yeah, well, and they're also, um, you know, they're so in- emotionally invested in this specific case. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the, the spirit being about the mom and it's a single mother that they're saving, I feel like they need they need a woman in charge of this situation to some capacity yeah. to yeah, balance it out. The damsels and we get the murdered women. So this is the first time there's like... 
like a woman who is capable and knows what she's yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, she has her own business by herself. Yeah. I think like I actually really like Missouri Mosley as a character because um, there's like the veneer of this trope yeah. or mm-hmm. whatever you react to it. But um, I don't know. She she's not really a mammy, yeah. you know, yes, and she's are. not really a sassy black woman either. Like she yeah. she they have her do both things, but. It's, like, situational, mm-hmm. I guess. She also it, doesn't sacrifice anything for yeah, the no, characters, No, she does too. not, yeah. And like, I like how she just calls them out on their shit, like, even John. She's like, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, yeah. the only one she's, like, super nice to is the mom. True. She was pretty nice to Sam. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. But I think she's, like, concerned about him. Yeah. Yeah, because this is the first time we have, like, an ominous quote about Sam. That boy has so so many abilities, so. Yeah. yeah. We get the sprinkling of something yeah, interesting. Yeah, the, the, the powerful abilities. Can I ask, is this the only time we see Missouri in the series? No, it isn't. Okay. She's not in a ton, but she comes back up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do, I do love her like picking on Dean mm-hmm. and his like awkward emotional vulnerability because he knows he can't just like you know be really flippant mm-hmm. and like whatever because she knows that it's just like a mask but I really still get upset when she calls him stupid I'm like and leave him alone because like the EMF which yeah. like, makes EMFs and she's like you amateur <laughs> yeah well that one I didn't you know that didn't bother me as much because sam uses them too so mm-hmm. if she's saying it to him then it's at both of them yeah but i just feel like poor dean like makes them like yeah he doesn't have psychic abilities right but like again i think that's something that i like about her personality like mm-hmm. you know she's being kind of mean like yeah. she's a she has a lot of um like dimension like she mm-hmm. reacts really differently to really different people but she yes. also has a consistent knowledge base and like concerns throughout the episode yeah absolutely and um she also isn't always right either which i think is a uh, like she yeah. was like all oh, the ghosts are definitely gone and then like mm-hmm. literally 20 minutes later they're back so right that's kind of another trope breaking too so um i like to how um they styled her with her like natural hair yeah yeah i think like during this time it was way more likely mm-hmm. that you would see black women with their hair straightened yes on tv you know i remember being in high school and most of the black girls or like black kids that i knew would either have their hair like cropped really really short or it was straightened so hardly um, ever saw curls but i mean i guess that was that's true of like white girls too they would straighten their hair to yeah, smithereens ooh ooh fried ends so many fried split ends yeah there was actually the only other show i can think of it was um boy meets world which would have been airing around the same time a little bit before this and they had yeah one black character who of course was in the main cast and when she actually so she wore her natural hair and that show mm-hmm. and no one knew how to deal with in wardrobe with her hair so oh, she wow. had to put in her own box braids Whoa. for the epi- for the first season of that show because they of- didn't hire anyone I think they did eventually, but it just really shows kind of where our world was at at this time. And still even now, a lot of hairstylists are getting called out, and rightfully so, for never learning how to do any different 
ethnic yeah. type of hair other than white straight hair. Yeah. Right. White women's straight hair specifically. Right, right, right. After we leave Missouri's house, I do like, again, we get another transition with the kid getting trapped in the, the oh juicy Oh my god, kid. that was so stupid. <laughs> it was really stupid. I love how he's just chilling in there with his juice. He was happy. He only cried when she got him out. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. she was flipping out. Yeah. Well, he did knock the milk over in the did fridge. He? I guess yeah. he must have. But he was still chilling with it. He was just sipping on <laughs> She's like, I got my juice. I'm cool. <laughs> he definitely looked like a devil child. Yes. Like when yeah. he was, he was like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> we were like walking in the fridge. Yeah, I was expecting that kid to be possessed, but he was just a normal weird ass kid. So Just a normal weirdo kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, probably got it from his mom who organizes the fridge like she's going to put a toddler in there. <laughs> I was thinking that too. I'm like, why is all of the food pushed to the edges? They we just have like. Moved in. So I'm taking it. They don't. Okay. Watch. Yeah. But she has like two like things of apple juice stacked on top of each other and then two cartons of eggs stacked on top of that. That's all you need. Maybe the poltergeist <laughs> reorganized the fridge. True. Which. <laughs> <laughs> there are eggs in one of my poltergeist We got a type A poltergeist. <laughs> so it's true. Maybe okay, they did. I guess I could accept that if they had showed us that for a second. Like, I would love like if they the showed things us that. just getting like like pushed to the sides. I'll take a poltergeist if it organizes. I don't want my things getting pushed. I want a meticulous like picking up yes. one item yeah, and just like completely rearranging it one thing at a time. Yeah, like a twenty minute scene. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of i thought it was interesting they use a poltergeist in this one um because they don't explain it much that's true they don't she just no. says she just says that like the building was a magnet yes for for poltergeist and scarred by evil which i fully believe in and i think yeah. that's something that does happen um i do like I'm, poltergeists are one of my favorite entities to learn about. Are you going to dig into some lore for us, yes, Allie? please. Um, the poltergeists are also sometimes known as a PKA manifestation for psychokinetic effects. And this is most often seen with coming-of-age children, specifically in their preteens to early teens, um, and usually females. So yep. the girl's a little young. This doesn't tie into, like, the real poltergeist lore, the poltergeist lore is so fascinating um, because you've heard how they like move things, throw things, the, that type of yeah. knock, a lot of knocking and noises. Um, but there's a major theory that poltergeist is the physical manifestation from the emotions and energy that females specifically are repressing during coming into like womanhood or um, puberty, huh. basically. Yeah. And in the 1800s, this was seen all the time. They thought, like, young girls just had this ability. Incredible. Which is amazing. But then it got written off as, like, Victorian ghosts because Victorians did, like, their ghosts. Oh, oh, they did. They, you know, you got to project the, uh, you know, the desires that you're afraid to express (laughs) onto, you know, the the monster figure. (laughs) And this stems from the belief that women are more easily taken by the devil because we're, like, the Eve, we're the one that's corruptible. Um, And even, like, Bartholomew, 
Pardot in the 17th century France says that women are the devil since they are fragile and infirm. Which is mm. just sexism. But yes. I like rewriting and thinking of this as people who have so much power and potential and don't know what to do with it. And I much prefer that story um, because I think it, it, it's just a different interpretation of the same abilities. Right. If you've seen... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jordan. Oh, you're, you're, I was just going to say, it's really funny because I did a series on this with like main ads and it's always Ooh. been so weird that... uh. This is for thousands of years, like a common trend with women. It's like afraid if a woman loses control, mm -hmm. like the potential they have. So like it was like another excuse for men to control. So like in this mm -hmm. case, it's women lose control, have all of these repressed feelings and they can move things with their mind. Back then it was women lose control and they go into a psychosexual cannibalistic rage. <laughs> Either way, pretty cool, so. Oh, man. Yeah, to me, I'm just like, well, maybe women do have some power. Maybe people should be a little afraid. Yeah. Um, man, and I love women so much. Yes. <laughs> so glad I'm gay. <laughs> that if you've seen Conjuring 2, this thing typed, this comes up. That's the Enfield Poltergeist, which is a really famous one if you want to look into it. But I have one I want to talk through briefly because there's the Columbus poltergeist. Ooh. Have either of you heard of this? I have not. I have never heard of this. And I love local lore specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so a quote unquote young troubled female, Tina Rush, in the 1980s, she was dealing with poltergeist issues. She lived in Columbus. Um, she had been left at a hospital at 10 months, so was adopted. She had too much energy and was busy, like, throwing things, probably had ADHD, and was medicated and then was bullied ruthlessly because people thought she was crazy. So a lot of her issues aren't really her issues. It's just she was a young girl with a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. um, but, of course, that was seen as a negative and they, she's 14 years old. They call a reporter who comes and they end up taking all these pictures. They're trying to find something. Um, they think it's like an electric issue at first because the light's going on and off. Um, they even taped down all the light switches. And the hallway light they found with the tape removed and the light on. Oh. They never caught anything when they were specifically looking at it. But then when they weren't looking at it, um, they got some pictures of stuff. And I'll show you one picture. But it's such a fascinating story. And oftentimes these females even get more hatred than because it's seen as lying. In many cases, they do like get caught on like a small lie, like her knocking a lamp over. Um, but oftentimes it's because they're afraid these people won't believe them. Yeah. And she ended up dealing with mental issues, changing her name. Um, she ended up going to prison later, which I won't get into because I don't think it's fair. She got so much hatred from this and there's so much hatred of women already that I don't want to get into that. Um, but it's just fascinating that she was pushed and thrown by this entity. Um, they have knocking everywhere. They had eggs flying out wow. of the refrigerator and hitting the ceiling. Holy they had glasses flying across the room. And I will show you all a picture and we'll get your reactions of this picture of a phone 
flying across the room, um, which was taken when the photographer, he wasn't looking at it directly. He couldn't get anything. So he put the camera on his lap and this was taken then. Okay. Wow. And this is on our sources. That's weird. If you want to look it up. That's yeah, that'll so be, cool. Allie, you're, you're going to post that on the website. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I love that image, and I love how she's in her Adidas. We're back to this era, but just the phone flying completely sideways. If you want to uh, watch a movie that has a similar kind of story to um, to uh, Tina Rash's mm-hmm. story, I will use any opportunity I can to talk about my most obscure favorite horror movie called Ghost Watch. Oh, God, this movie is so good and terrifying. But it is about a poltergeist... Uh, specifically that is terrorizing a family so it's kind of about interviewing the young girl so mm-hmm. it, it aired on bbc and it was a made for television movie and it kind of takes place like it takes place in 1991 and it's in the format of like those um unsolved mysteries or those really popular shows at those times and they didn't think that they had to tell anyone that this was a movie and fiction so everyone thought it was real and it created such like a panic that someone ended up committing suicide oh shit because they thought ghosts were taking over like literally london um so it got banned it's only ever aired once and it hurt the careers of like the actors and the people who worked on it it's super hard to find but it came out in 1991 really good real effects super fun look it up you get the chance and you like poltergeist it looks like a decade later like i heard jordan tell me about this until i watched it finally with him and i was so impressed by this movie and i've seen every scary movie and i'm not easily impressed this one was so good i gotta watch this nothing scares me really (laughs) especially for a made for tv bbc original movie i'm ready to get spooked (laughs) hell yeah I know I already mentioned uh, briefly, like, the spell work that they do and that they probably didn't need to put anything inside of the walls. But I do want to say that I think whatever research they did for this kind of house, like, home protection, home cleansing, I actually really like for Mm. once. Yes. Um, This feels like really classic home magic, like the kind of thing that I would do to a new space when I'm moving Mm. into it. You know, um, <clears throat> make sachets and bless them and then put them in the in the four cardinal corners of the house on each floor. Um, although I'd probably do, I'd probably open the windows and like sweep and do a bell too. But, but yeah, like every time I watch this, I'm like, huh, I can't believe it. <laughs> like, that's a normal fucking magic thing. And I kind of wonder too, do you think maybe she had them put it actually in the wall? Because then it could be sealed there as like, oh. so it couldn't get moved. Oh, permanently. Or, yeah. That's a really good idea. That's an interesting thought. It doesn't account for the one she chucked in the corner in the basement, though. But yeah. Since it's in the basement and want to be touched. It was like under possible. the stairs. And since this house like draws things in, then for future residents. Too. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good thought. Yeah. Coming in. Coming in with the solutions to all the problems, Jordan. <laughs> good old Missouri. I also, and now that we hear these things, don't be that person who drank um, what they thought was wine and turned out to be a witch's jar with Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember don't, that. Don't, uh, don't drink, don't, don't drink, drink that. So just to put you guys in the loop, on Antiques Roadshow, our show similar to it very recently, someone brought in a witch's bottle from like the early 1900s, late 1800s. For those of you who don't you know, witch's bottles can have a 
variety of ingre- ingredients. I think this one was specifically urine. And nails, right? And nails, yes. Yeah. And it's usually buried on a property as protection or to ward away things. But this person found the witch's bottle and they got in like oh, a boy. sommelier to taste it. <laughs> no. And drank over a hundred year old bottle of urine. That's so fucking I bet gross. some people on the internet would pay a lot to drink that though. Also, if you're superstitious and find something like that, do not move it. Don't touch it. Don't smell it. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Don't do anything Just leave with it. that. Like, if you really feel like you got to get rid of it, like, please find a new home for it. I was going to say find a witch to move uh, it for yeah, you. Like, someone. figure out where what your local is. witches are mm-hmm. and, like, don't move that yourself. Yeah. In this home, we do not touch strange witch bottles <laughs> or play with Ouija boards. <laughs> we need that on the sign above the door. <laughs> don't make me tap the sign again. <laughs> you are all welcome as you are. However. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to bring it up again. I hate doing it, the little production things, but it's just so glaring to me. When Missouri and the boys come to cleanse the house, Yeah. and Missouri's like, go take your kids to see a movie. It'll be over when you come back. It is nighttime. When Sam, or not Sam, when Dean is cleansing in the kitchen, it is daytime in the window. Mm -hmm. It's just like these small details, like when you get these small details right it really shows that you care about your show Mm. and maybe it's just like growing pains but i'm excited to see in the few the future because we i've been able to point out a lot of these little things so far Yeah, i will say though it's hard to tell what time of day it actually is i felt true yeah because of everything being so gray my assumption personally was that it was like evening like 4 or 5 yeah, p.m. I thought when it was they left. Too. And then they'd be back by the time it was sunset. But because because of the fact that everything is so, like, gray, gray. and washed out, you, I mean, like, you don't have those kind of cues. I think they just went for, like, post-apocalyptic, the world has stopped spinning, and we're in this forever gray. Save it for, save it for fucking season five. Yes! For the love of God! (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, a show like The Walking Dead. Like, save it for something where it belongs. Well, especially, like, in a show, so, they obviously, at this point, I don't know if camera technology just isn't where it is now, or maybe they didn't have the budget, but when it's so grainy and granulated, and then you put a gray filter, like there are there are like shadows that literally blacken the whole entire screen. Yes. My favorite is when you can't tell what anyone's eye colors are because <laughs> yes. of how dark it is. Except for Dean's <laughs> well, green sometimes, eyes. Sometimes they they shine a light on his face, but a lot of the time they don't. And you yeah. literally cannot tell. Everyone looks like they have super dark brown eyes. And it's just yeah. so funny to me. I also love how it looks like everyone's just in a gray outfit. Like there's no color yeah. in this world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to keep talking about the house cleansing, though. Can we oh, keep please. Yeah, that? absolutely. Why the fuck did they split up is my big question. Because you Ooh. knew the way they were building it up, it was going to be okay. As soon as we start doing this, we're going to get attacked. So, like, yeah. why? Like, okay, I understand narratively why. It's because you got to have the excitement of everyone being separate and needing help. And, ah, now we're running around and Sam's getting choked to death. But Jasper, they're tough, macho men who don't need well, anyone. What they, about Missouri? They also put Missouri in the basement where no one's going to hear her scream. Yeah. 
Yeah. And she's like an old lady. Okay, I have more she's not that old. She's like, she yeah, middle age. She's like 30. Well, she's old enough that uh, oh. Dean helped her down the stairs. Well, she's at least in her 50s because just of the timing of the show yeah i just feel bad saying that because she does not look 50 no she doesn't well and this would be 50 young like she would have been young when john originally met her for her to be 50 yeah so so we we don't know how old she is canonically you're probably older actress you do not look that old yeah you look (laughs) no she looks great yeah i don't know what you look like now but in 2005 incredible yeah my bets are you're you've still got it Anyway, they shouldn't have separated. They shouldn't have separated. No. Don't split the party. Yeah, you never split the never. party. Especially Come like, on, y'all. how much time were they actually saving rather than each mm-hmm. just going one by one together? Right, none, because everybody's having to deal with like lamp cord strangulation and flying <laughs> furniture and matter, kitchen knives. Yeah, a matter of fact, where Missouri put the satchel, she literally could have walked to the first step of the stairs, dropped it in between <laughs> like the stairs, and then just went back up. Like, she walked all the way to the bottom, threw it under the stairs, and was like, this is good, and then, like, a freaking fridge or something gets thrown at her. Yeah, they love pushing people against walls with, like, heavy dressers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. Yeah. The best was the sand bowling ball, I, though. Yes! I love that. I love that. I, uh, such classic haunting stuff. Yeah. I love when people get dragged down the hallway. I don't know why. It's just so satisfying. It's so scary, too. And then when he gets pinned up on the kitchen cabinets, too. See, I love the drag, and I loved the cord. The cord, yeah, the cord the is good. The animation for 2005 wasn't that bad. Like, it's no. a little campy, but I yeah. liked it. It was fun. I already told this story to Allie and Jordan, but I'm going to repeat it now. Um, I have a, a friend who was inspired to start <laughs> watching uh, the show for the first time through because of this podcast and because I just <laughs> will never stop talking about Destiel because I have brain worms. Um and so she she recently watched this episode and then texted me huh i think i might have a thing with choking now <laughs> and i'm just what? like <laughs> wow <laughs> it was an intense choking scene it really was so, yeah. just to throw it out there if you are doing choking for kink make sure you have like your thumbs outside yeah. of like not a way yeah pipe. you're not crushing the windpipe what you're doing is putting pressure on like the blood vessels and the tendons which makes you lightheaded so you know just this has been a psa yeah. let's all be safe and consenting and no cord around the neck yeah Save none, that for supernatural yeah none of that none of that we can mm-hmm. just we can just watch jared look like he's gonna die don't do that to your sex partners yes yeah and i'm sure their face will be a lot less attractive because his face during that like he looks scared but like also kind of still (laughs) modely i mean i don't think he can help it at the time he wasn't quite 30 i don't think so Sorry, Jordan, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to give a shout out to anyone listening from Horny Jail. So. <laughs> My friend. <laughs> I'm sad I let room for that. <laughs> Jordan, that's great. <laughs> My friend who shall be unnamed, go to Horny Jail. Yeah. This is officially a bonk. <laughs> a bonk. <laughs> I will say they did. They've been doing better about not just torturing women until 
we finally get the reveal of the ghosts and who would have thought it is actually their mother no way she has been here the whole time oh my god i never would have guessed and then she sacrifices herself not just sacrifices herself she destroys her spirit the very essence of her being yeah to stop this poltergeist i don't know i interpreted it differently personally i took it as her fighting well they said that the line destroyed her soul did they missouri did I thought she said they canceled out each other's energies. Maybe it was before that. I would have to go back and listen. Mm -hmm. But I specifically remember there being verbiage around her soul. I think that's still like a reading of what we saw. I, I just interpreted it a little differently. What I thought about it was that in her act of protecting them her spirit was able to pass on Mm -hmm. because she wasn't able to protect her children like when she died. Nice. And I felt it was her coming back to fight it because we know Missouri had been there multiple times and been like, there's nothing here. I've kept an eye on it. So I felt it was like their mom actually getting some agency. Like manifesting on purpose. Yeah, I actually had that thought too. Like maybe she Mm -hmm. was trying to trigger visions out of Sam to protect the family Mm -hmm. who was living there. Mm. I didn't think about that, but I like that. If she did destroy her soul... I imagine that would probably be retconned eventually, knowing the show anyways. <laughs> this show would never. But Why it, would this show bring anyone back from the dead? Just like the idea of saying God in front of a demon. Th- they want to cancel that idea after the second episode. There's <sighs> no way. But if anyone is listening and has just watched this and wants to extrapolate, let us know at OTR Supernatural on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to actually go back and watch it, if I'm being honest <laughs> with you guys. Though oh I did love God. this episode. Yeah, and if you get on Twitter, you'll be able to talk to me, Jasper. And I'm the person behind our Instagram website and Tumblr. So come shout out to me. Hooray. I'm unattainable. Sorry. <laughs> what to pay to talk to Jordan? Yeah. You can find me on, oh, what's the thing that's Vimeo? celebrity? Yeah, Vimeo. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Three hundred dollars. I thought you were gonna say OnlyFans, and I was <laughs> holding my breath. Um, we'll see the next couple paychecks. <laughs> might be coming soon. You might not be able to see my face, but you'll see something. You'll see something for sure. Oh, we're moving on. <laughs> I was uh, interested in the the little echo they did of the house escape from the first episode. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I liked how Sam carried out the children. Yeah, and then he assigns um, like Dean's role yeah. as the protective older sibling to mm-hmm. the daughter. Sari, was it? Yeah, yeah. sorry. No, S-A-R-I. I think it was S A R I. Yeah, Sari. Yeah, yeah. It was a stupid name, but it was Sari and spelled like. Especially at a time when we really didn't get stupid names like that. Yeah, there was, like, a void of stupid names. They were, like, really, really bad in the 90s. Yeah. And then it, things were, like, really normal for a while. And a lot of Katie's, mm-hmm. a lot of Michelle's, and then millennials started squirting out babies. Oh, and we just... were like, your name is Stormy. Your name is Rock. What I like is the the typical, like, um, autumn Christian white girl who just always smashes two names together. <laughs> Like, you're Ashley Lynn. Sorry to any Ashley oh. Lynn's listening, but... That's not... That's See, that's a Southern thing. 
I You're talking about at... like Braylon. Yes. Yeah, like Madison Lee as one word. Yeah. I gotta hate that. From working at a bank, unfortunately, I have seen a lot of dumb baby names. From working in daycares, I have so many names I will never name my children. I'm just trans and <laughs> Yeah, I was luckily blessed with a really unisex name. Yeah, everyone thinks I'm a guy because I spell mine A-L-I. All those guy alleys. Well, no, they think I'm Ollie. <laughs> oh, like oh, Ollie. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So that was really confusing, especially in early 2000s. Mm. That right. was weird for people. <laughs> my, uh, my legal name is like one of the, it was the most common name the year I was born and the year after that. And I believe the year after that. Oh my God. So like my whole childhood, it was, you know, name one, name two, name three. Uh, I don't know your octopus now because I can't remember more than three of your name. Yeah. Well, in any event, in any event, there's still more to talk about with this, with this episode. Um, I actually thought, once again, that Jared was really good in this episode. I mean, they, they both were, but I know we were we were talking about in a previous one how he doesn't get to be a main character yeah. a lot yet. Like, he's normally, so far, just sort of a sidekick, and it's like the Dean show. But I think, you know, they had pretty equal roles in this, and, and he was really good, except for... Like, there was one moment in the motel where I was like, I get it, you're setting up the episode. Yes. But... Yeah, I actually really liked Sam in this episode. Um, it's actually, we got a lot out of Dean in the beginning of the episode, especially like he talked about his his childhood, his trauma. We got the interaction where he has been calling his dad. We kind of find yeah, out and like own. he's kind of having big emotions about his dad not being he has, there. He has a lot of face journeys yes. with the mechanic in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, it does kind of seem to become more of a Sam episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like this one and the last one, we finally see Sam as a person. And I really dig it. I think he he has a great story arc when they give him a story. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and I, I, I thought especially he was good on the um, scene where Sam and Missouri are talking on the stoop. Mm. I thought that was a, a good mm-hmm. one. Yes, I agree. Cause he, he just seemed very, like, um, timid and like nervous Mm -hmm. which isn't an emotion we get Mm -hmm. from sam Mm -hmm. a whole lot so it was very it was like striking for me well and sam also this isn't the first time because he did it in the last episode as well but he also really took charge of the mission Mm -hmm. he decided where there was going where they were going why they were going and he decided when they were done yeah as well yeah 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 i did love that detail and getting to see how many different cases they choose between because i love that there are like so many weird things going on in the u.s at one point and it kind of is like pick which one seems the most abnormal and i just love that because we do have weird news or like the closest by or in like a place we want to go to so the ones they had like talked about a a mariner where all of the um people disappeared disappeared. i actually kind of wondered if maybe there was something going on like that at the time or that would be i mean well michigan triangle yeah Yeah, we had talked about that it's happened yeah that's true and um again talking about the bugs episode (laughs) When they had the TV on, they were talking about West Nile, which was relatively mm-hmm. current at the time. Yeah. So it's possible they weren't just making shit up yeah, and it was relatively recent mm-hmm. paranormal rumors. Mm-hmm. So if we're to talk about this, this is a pretty big plot 
episode because this is the first time we find out what's going on with John. Yes, or and at least... that he's just alive and there. Yes. Yeah. Like literally in proximity of his children. Yes. Yeah. I love the detail he still wears his wedding ring. I thought that was good character wise. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it makes him kind he's not likable, but it makes it like you have at least somewhat of a positive emotional response maybe i this is my take Mm -hmm. when missouri comes back the first thing he asks is not about them it's about mary that's true so here's the thing with this obviously i don't like john none of us like john but I, I love that you don't like John and you've only seen him for <laughs> like, like a total of two minutes of screen time. Well, Our influence. <laughs> I'm constantly thinking about because like we analyze these episodes, which isn't something the normal viewer does. Mm-hmm. I yeah. kind of wondered like with John, I don't think we're supposed to dislike him. I think they just wrote a really dislikable and abusive character. Yeah. And it kind of shows probably the lack of diversity in the writing room yeah also tell us if you liked him at first i want to hear if there were people who yeah oh yeah please let us know um sympathize i'm open to hearing about this so Mm -hmm. i can tell you how wrong you are (laughs) (laughs) just kidding maybe not really (laughs) well even if we didn't have like even if jasper hadn't talked about how they don't like john and how much of an abuser he is like i still would have came to that same sentiment Mm -hmm. like anything with his kids is about his children feeling abandoned by their father about them having a rough relationship with him growing up um where it seems like dean wants to idolize and become his father and his father like isn't readying him to do that or sam who wants his own life but isn't allowed to have that like Mm -hmm. just neither of them seem to have any type of positive interactions with him that they've talked about in the past and even like dean talking about their dad positively or being like we should listen to him it feels very like oh this was like beaten into you maybe literally maybe not the positive language they use with john is always he tried it's never like Mm -hmm. successful language it's always the act of well he did what he could (laughs) yeah exactly I do also like how this part makes us know he knows so much more than he says. Yeah. Um, like, we thought he was missing. We thought he might be in trouble. And then suddenly, not only is he there, he's there without his children knowing. And when um, Missouri mentions Sam's abilities, he doesn't question it. Yeah, he doesn't react. So yes. clearly he is, he's kind of almost omnipotent character. Yeah. And we had no idea. Yes. Yeah. So before the question of the series is, where's John? Now the series has pivoted to, what does John know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's going to be... And why is he such a fucking prick? <laughs> Wait, I don't know if that's ever going to get answered. It goes back to our why men. Why? 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 Men, why? <laughs> don't answer us, because we don't want to fucking hear Yeah, it. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Like, I don't care. <laughs> so I did something different for the fan fiction for this one. I actually tried to find something directly related to the episode. (laughs) Can you believe it? I am shocked you did for this episode. Well, I mean, it is a plot episode, so I can kind of see it. Yeah. It's just a woman and her kid. I think of traditional supernatural fan fiction. We also have a woman (laughs) and her kids as well. True. I was really interested in um, the much more important place for like 
women's power mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. episode. So I specifically looked for um, fanfics about Mary. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so this one is literally just called Mary Winchester's Journal. I will say there's only three chapters and it's mm-hmm. not completed. It's from 2014, so it probably won't be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by Estrella K. Admiro. It's on AO3. Um, summary, AU, what if John had been killed in the fire in 83 instead of Mary? How would the Winchester brothers' lives differ? After losing John and almost losing Sam, Mary escapes Lawrence, Kansas with her two young sons and starts a new, hopefully safe life. And it's all from her point of view, just a couple of journal entries. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. I, you know, I just, they just really did women dirty in Mm -hmm. season one. Just, like, even in this episode where she does have a little more agency, like, her role is still to appear to be a guardian Mm -hmm. and then to die Mm -hmm. again. So... It, you know, it frustrates, it frustrates me, <laughs> but yeah. But I like that. I like that in addition to the episode. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it's hard to find, um, fan fiction with Mary in it that yeah. isn't about, um, the late series, mm. you know, mm-hmm. so. That would be a good episode to have like an episode where they do do a reimagining if Mary was the one that would be so cool like the killing joke but with yes the switch to parents yeah if you guys have relevant fanfic send them our way oh yeah absolutely like i don't want to be like the fucking fan fiction overlord <laughs> over here unless you send me something where it's like top dean dean is definitely a bottom i feel like we've already we've established that very early yeah oh yeah just radiates bottom energy. I haven't met Castiel yet, so I don't know if he's a true top, but Dean is definitely yep. a bottom. He is. is. He? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Nice. <laughs> no verses in that relationship. I don't no. know if I... You're just automatically true top. I don't know if... <laughs> I think Dean radiates bottom energy. I think Cass can be interpreted how you want. Maybe. <laughs> Jasper's look says I'm wrong. <laughs> He needs his thirsty bottom Dean after his long shift at the slurping gerb. That's <laughs> how he unwinds. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Every time I've forgotten about the slurping gerb. <laughs> he goes from work at the slurping gerb to go home to get a gerp and slurp. <laughs> oh my God, Allie. <laughs> this came from Allie's mind. I just want to... Shelley, Everything about it, did. Shelly, if you're listening, your daughter started this. No, it's because I forget things and my brain fills in dumb shit. We remember. We remember how it happened, Allie. <laughs> no, don't worry. All right. Let's Ratings. rate let's, let's rate the episode. What do you think, Jordan? I'm going to rate it 4.5 out of 5 burning mothers. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> really in the spirit of the show Some fiery there are mamas. four and a half moms on fire <laughs> <laughs> burning the moms up but it was a great episode um i actually think this has i don't think i know this has been the best episode of mm-hmm. season one yep. thus far the second one being the first episode so it has been a long journey to episode 10 so i'm very glad we got this episode mm-hmm. yeah 
Though I like the general building of anxiety, there were, st- there were still some scenes that didn't really need to be there, like the child getting locked and mm-hmm. the fridge. That didn't really add anything. Plus, they even though they, I feel like Missouri was a good character, she still was an ode to a racist trope, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't fully mm-hmm. sit well with me, but... Yeah, I don't support that, by the way. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure everyone listening knows that, but uh, it's just, it's something that is baked into my rating. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. What about you, Allie? Yeah, I would give this five out of five, but I also want to, like, give it a little bonus star, because this is just in a league of its own so far in terms of how successful it was and still fun. Mm-hmm. Um, So I really like this. I'll give it a gold star and Five out of five demon drives across the floor. Whoa! (laughs) My favorite movie trope. (laughs) I'm also going to give this a four and a half out of five. Juice sippy cups. Even (laughs) though we didn't talk about the kid having the juice session. Juicy! Juicy, juicy! (laughs) (laughs) I almost went with creepy children, so... Oh, yeah, there we go, there we go. Just got to pull it back in there somehow. (laughs) And the reason is I'm very stingy with five stars there are still things that bug me about this episode i just don't i don't think it's perfect enough like it's soup it's fun but there's just enough things that i'm like "Mm, i can't give it Mm. i can't give it five out of five it's just not she's you know she's just still a little half-baked for season one i do because i give a little bit of leniency with season one especially i i do not <laughs> i do i feel no such impetus predictions yeah let's predict what do you think is going to happen next time jordan Ooh, goodness so they didn't tell us where they were going nope Mm-mm. i'm thinking we're gonna have another episode away from john because we just had like the big peak of the season so uh-huh. now we're gonna have a couple smaltzy episodes before we get back to the storyline mm-hmm. so i think they're gonna go south Maybe towards like Texas or something, and they're gonna fight a chupacabra. <laughs> I love that. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr at On the Road with Supernatural or by Instagram or Twitter at OTR Supernatural. Contact us by email at on the road with supernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Rockford, Illinois. Bye. Bye. Bye.